0: Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work. This is a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and my friend Robbie Earle. Have we got a show for you, baby? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is a big day because your boy Kyle loved Hawkeye episode three, and I cannot wait to get into it. Robbie, how are you today?
1: I am great today. Um, I, I I laugh because you're about to have to wait because we've got some other things we have to talk about before we can get into Hawkeye. <laughs>
0: That's true. <laughs> but, That's what you call a bad setup. But yes,
1: <laughs> I just finished watching Hawkeye right prior to this, so I'm buzzing and I'm really excited to get into that in just a second. But I have had a couple of things pop up in my mind throughout the week that I was like, you know what, I want to bring this up on the podcast. So I want to tick through a couple of those oh, I real love quick. That.
0: I love that. First,
1: we're officially in the lead up to Christmas now, baby. We are, Thanksgiving is done. Thanksgiving is great. I love Thanksgiving, but it is the gateway to Christmas. Mm -hmm. And now it's time. We're ramping up. We got Hawkeye going. We got all sorts of Christmas stuff going on in the Earl household, including a recent showing of the movie The Green Knight. Have you seen this movie?
0: Okay. No, but somebody else just brought this up to me yesterday.
1: Go ahead. So we saw it in theaters back when it first came out and I was really into it, but it's a really weird,
0: really kinda, weird is what I heard. That's all it's, I heard.
1: It's weird that it's sort of hard to follow. Um, and it's just, it's like a crazy indie fantasy film based on this actual medieval epic poem. <laughs> um, and I love it, but I also recognize that a lot of people maybe wouldn't, but it was just one of those movies that I so enjoyed this last viewing of. Um, and Candace and I, it is technically a Christmas movie. So Candace and I put it on our Christmas <laughs> movie list this year. And, it counts. Uh, you know, just so for all of our just general cinephile fans out there, which we have a lot, I would recommend it. It's the time of year to go check it out, watch it, let us know what you think. I had a really great time. That's item one.
0: My, myself included. I need to go see it now. So You, you should go me. see
1: it. I would actually love to hear your thoughts. Um, and okay. folks will be able to hear your thoughts on a lot of movies soon True. over on FFW Plus mm. where once all this Spider-Man craziness is behind us.
0: The wheels are turning. The wheels are turning.
1: Something's coming. Uh, okay, item two, also a movie that I watched recently that I did text you about. I had, after all this time, Um, and even I think referencing it some in our Iron Man 3 episode, never seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is a Shane Black Robert Downey Jr. film um, from 2005, I think. And that is also technically a Christmas movie, although this one is even, I think, more tenuous in its relation to Christmas than The Green Knight is. But I used it as an excuse to watch that the other night. Also a ton of fun, and I told you, really fun because it feels very much like Iron Man 1 Tony Stark the way that mm. Robert Downey Jr. plays his character so it feels a little bit like you just get to kind of go back in time and hang out with an old friend and it's really funny like you can definitely tell that it's from the same team that made Iron Man 3 and that I feel like the like the the humor is similar it's it's definitely like less Disney appropriate um and more violent and kind of darker at times, but it is—it's a ton of fun. And so again, it's something that I was like—I feel like our listeners would maybe enjoy, and you as well. I will also add that to my list. So, item two, item three, and this is my last one.
0: Oh my! What a start! We're starting <laughs> right? with Robbie Rants today. Let's go. <laughs> so, any day that starts with a Robbie rant is a good day.
1: I—I uh, I know we haven't even gotten into Spider-Man yet, man. Um, But this does kind of tie into Spider-Man loosely. So it's sort of a long story how I got here, but I I realized the other day that Danny Elfman, who we've talked about is uh, the composer of the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man's, at least the first two, and is coming back for Doctor Strange 2, he composed the Joss Whedon score for Justice League.
0: Mm, Okay, I didn't know that.
1: Right, which isn't hugely significant in and of itself. But what I what I realized uh, as I was reading into it that I had never known before is that he, when he scored that movie, brought back his original Batman theme for the Keaton Batman films. And he brought back John Williams' Superman theme from the Christopher Reeves' Superman films.
0: Okay, and I, get, I, I thought see what that you're getting just, at. I see what you're getting at. You see at. what I'm saying? Yeah, so is he going to do that for Doctor Strange 2? That's good news. So there's a precedent of Danny Elfman bringing in other themes. Hint, 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 Doctor Strange 2, like right. we've been talking about with a few other things. Okay.
1: And and who knows? Maybe like maybe that means that he, he would weave in the Christoph Beck Wanda theme. Mm, maybe that means he would he weave to. in the Natalie Holt Loki theme. Like, uh, that just makes me... It, it makes me all... One, I was already excited because I really like Danny Elfman's stuff and he is a giant within the composer community. But I, I also love these particular themes, like with these characters that we know are going to appear in that movie. And so the fact that he, as the composer legend that he is, is willing to kind of get in and mix different work from different folks I think is uh encouraging and exciting
0: but (laughs) the sad part of that is he should be doing spider-man so he can do that for the spider-man themes I've said it every week since we brought it up that that was
1: the honestly whenever I read that I was like oh that's great because then whenever he comes back for spider-man then I was like wait no no he's not he's not coming back for spider-man he's coming back for doctor strange
0: Mm. Well, Robbie, those are three excellent points to start off the podcast. Thank you. I want to add to your Thanksgiving one, by the way. Yes, I think the second Thanksgiving is over, it's culturally accepted to put your Christmas lights up, to turn on Christmas music. Not before that, people. But then after that, I'm all in. I'm all in on Christmas stuff now. Um, If we have any new listeners here today, welcome. Welcome. I hope you enjoy Friends from Work. If you do enjoy Friends from Work, don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast and follow this podcast on Apple or Spotify or anywhere you get your podcasts. We would love that. Stay in touch with us at the FFW Podcast on social media, and you can hit up our website, theffwpodcast.com, where you can reach out to us, and there's a contact form on there, and we try to get back to those messages. Robbie, speaking of Christmas, though, like we've said before, I'm still in the giving spirit. So this week's Cinemark $50 gift card winner brrr, Ooh. is Josh M. Radio. Congrats, Josh. So Josh wow. is this week's winner of $50 to Cinemark. Hopefully he can use that for Spider-Man tickets, I guess, round two, because a lot of people have their tickets already, as we found out on social media from a lot of you. Yep. Um, but it never hurts to go again. Congrats, Josh. And so this week is actually our last gift card to give away. For this week, Robbie, I'm going to double dip here. This is kind of fun. This week, anyone who buys any of our new Friends From Work merchandise, which we are so pumped about, and uses the discount code CINEMARK, will save 20% on merch and you will be entered into winning the $50 gift card. So... Maybe if you want to use the discount code CINEMARK to buy merch, but you're not by CINEMARK theater, maybe in the notes just say that, like, hey, don't enter me into the contest. But if you use the promo code <laughs> CINEMARK to save 20% on any merchandise item from friends from work, you'll be entered to win the last $50. So let's go. Get your merch and get a chance to win that gift card. Okay.
1: That Robbie, is what I call a win-win right that there, That is
0: a win-win. My last point before we dive into what's new in the MCU Spider-Man edition is I just wanted to quickly catch you up on where I'm at on my MCU rewatch. Oh, yeah. I've actually wondered about this. Well, so you've been watching other films. (laughs) I've just been going back and redoing it all. But I'm working my way through, (laughs) and I'm quite a ways through. I watched this last week, Doctor Strange. Nice. Guardians 2 and Ant-Man. Couple things I just wanted to quickly say, Robbie. Mm -hmm. One, I tried so hard to move Doctor Strange up. I have been always average on Dr. Strange. Like it's dead smack in the middle. We talked about that in the episode, Mm -hmm. but it's a good movie. It really hit me even more this time. I love the performances in that movie. I buy everything that him and Christine have. I Mm -hmm. really like how Benedict plays that character so much. And I think I was a little too hard on Kaecilius the first time. I don't think it's as bad. I do think there is motivation, like him diving into some of the dark magic to extend his life, and then you find out the Ancient One is doing that. Kind of adds that right. gray area thing I like, so there's a little bit of background there. And, I th- I mean, we said
1: this then, but-, but Mads Mikkelsen's performance as Kaecilius, I think we've always said was excellent.
0: Yeah, and then I just want to add one other thing. The death of the Ancient One and the conversation she has with Doctor Strange outside on the porch is mm-hmm. like one of the most moving parts in the MCU for me. It's definitely one of the most moving deaths when she actually reaches out, holds his hand, the it's it's not about you thing. Um, right. Man, I'm watching it in the car and I'm still getting choked up. I, I don't know. That really works for me. I can't move it up in my rankings because I just can't find another movie to move down. But mm-hmm. it's a fantastic film. Yeah. Secondly, and briefly... I really don't like Guardians 2, Robbie. It is one of the most laborious (laughs) movies for me to get through. It's so crazy because Guardians 1 for me is so good, and I love it so much. It's my third Mm -hmm. highest movie in the MCU. But Guardians Mm -hmm. 2, I moved down on this. I reworked my rankings and moved it even further down because just almost nothing works for me. I have to add, the only thing that saves that movie is how fantastic the ending is from Yondu's death on that last 15 minutes, the geniusness of letting us sit in his death with the cat Stevens song with Chris Pratt's performance of no, no to Yondu and then his speech over Yondu's body. That is the only thing about that movie that makes it salvageable for me. So I moved it down in my rankings. I'll, I'll update those online, but I just don't know why it doesn't do it for me until that very last little bit, man. Yeah,
1: you know, I, I can, I can, I see where you're coming from. I, I've always been warmer on that movie than you, um, but I see what you're saying.
0: Well, and then my third point is that Ant Man is still really, really fun. I just think because it's so side story ish, it's hard to move it up. Although I did move it up a little bit with this Guardians too flip flop. That's a what I,
1: okay. That's what I figured you did. But
0: but like I get that Ant Man's villain is total garbage. But everything else in that movie is pretty fun. It's really funny. Yeah. Paul Rudd is so charismatic. Like I said to Annika, this is a perfect example when you watch this movie back to back of Guardians 2 is probably trying to do some things a little bit better. And so you got to credit it for that than Ant-Man's even trying to do. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't be further apart when I talk about just rewatchability. It's never hard for me to throw on Ant-Man, even though I know hmm. it's not a revolutionary movie. It's It never feels like work watching it, whereas Guardians 2 feels like work for me. So that is my interesting conclusions I've made on those three movies. And the last thing I'll say on my rewatch order, I was looking at the list, and this is the most excited I get on the rewatch order because once you get through Ant-Man, which is still really fun, oh my gosh, Robbie, you forget how good it was after that. Yeah. Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Black Panther, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame. Are you kidding? I don't know if that's exact yeah. order, but are you kidding me with those movies no, at that point?
1: It's crazy, especially especially updated with Black Widow now. Yeah, it's, it's I-, I was actually watching. Oh, I forgot I got to put
0: Black Widow in there, which is the best right? news of the day. Let's go.
1: I know. I actually haven't gotten to watch Black Widow in the context of a full rewatch, which I'm really excited to do.
0: Well, and that's um, what I'm doing with Shang-Chi too. Like I've saved these other movies oh, nice. for this rewatch. Like I can't wait to actually get there Cause I'm I'm seeing how it all flows.
1: Wow. Yeah, I haven't rewatched Shang Chi either. Um, so I was actually watching this director's roundtable last night, and I texted you about it. And if you're if you have Disney Plus, which I assume anyone listening to this podcast does, uh, it's listed under the extras of Infinity War. It's like a 30 minute thing, and it's James Gunn, John Favreau, uh, Ryan Coogler, Peyton Reed. And Taika Waititi and the Russos. And they're sitting there like I think it came out between Infinity War and Endgame. And so they're just kind of sitting and taking stock of the MCU at that point. And I say this because you just talked about how good it gets right around that time within our watch order. Mm -hmm. And it, man, that was a golden age. I'm not saying that, that we can't still surpass that in other ways. And I think you could argue that there are ways that we have. But, like, when you think about that period where we had Homecoming, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War coming out all in a couple years, like, holy cow.
0: It was such a golden era. And I got to point out, by the way, I brought up that director's interview like a year ago. So, A, welcome to the party. And, B, if any, of, if any longtime <laughs> listeners caught that, yeah, your boy Kyle was on it a year ago, Rob, so – I think I, well, you always watch that stuff before me. I know. I love that stuff for some reason. It enhances I saw the it, movies for me. I don't know why. Well,
1: I saw it on there and I was like, oh, I haven't seen this. Should I watch it? I don't want to. But then I clicked. It and it great. <laughs> I, I don't know something in me. I like, I love it in theory. We have a whole podcast talking about this stuff. And then I come to it and I'm like, I would rather just watch the movie.
0: Wow. See, we're, we're very I different enjoyed it. that way. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's get into what's new in the MCU, Spider-Man edition. Ladies and gentlemen, we are less than two and a half weeks-ish from the Spider-Man premiere, which is crazy. If you've been following along on Friends from Work Plus, which is our Patreon page, we've been plowing through all kinds of extra content. But we are about to get even heavier into Spider-Man on the friends from work main feed side of things. And holy cow, we're close. So I feel like it's appropriate to kind of come back to the trailer a teeny bit, give a few more things we've learned. And I have a few breaking news things I need to share personally about No Way Home in case you guys have missed some of this Spider-Man news. Love it. Which, as you know, there's so much rumor and so much speculation out there that I've, I do feel like we need to inform some people of actual news because it's getting a little bit hard to tell what's what at this point.
1: Right. So it has been confirmed that Shrek is going to make an appearance. In Spider-Man New Way Home.
0: Shrek is canon. Katniss Everdeen is canon. Batman and <laughs> Superman is canon. And they're all uh-huh. going to be there in one thing. By the way, one of our listeners on Slack shared the greatest meme ever, which was just, it's like I a fake that. poster where it's like Spider-Man. And it's like, this is everyone who's confirmed in the movie. And it was like Godzilla and like and like every Star <laughs> like Wars Harry character. Potter. and Harry Potter. It's unbelievable. I love it. Um, okay. But for real. A lot of people shared this, and I don't know if you caught this. Amy Pascal, who is a producer at Sony, not a voice you're as familiar with, went on a whole rant with a media outlet about how this is not the last film they are going to be making in the MCU. Specifically, this is not the end of Spider-Man. And she said, this is not the end of Tom Holland. Let me read it for you real quick. Quote, This is not the last movie we are going to make with Marvel. This is not the last Spider-Man movie. We are getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Marvel. We're thinking of this as three films, and now we're going on to the next three. This is not the last of our MCU movies. What do you think about that, Robbie?
1: Man, um, a couple things. One, it is crazy how different the news leading up to this movie has been from any other Marvel movie in terms of how much is out there and how much folks, whether they're executives or creators, have been permitted to say. It's, it's really telling whether you, you like it more this way or not. You know, Marvel is famous for being so locked down that I think we never would have gotten something like this out of Marvel. Um, like, going into Endgame... Marvel would never have said, Hey, by the way, here are all the characters that are going to be getting shows.
0: True. Kevin's probably just dying in his right. home <laughs> office.
1: <laughs> like, um, two, I, I think it's also interesting because like we said on here a couple of weeks ago, Tom Holland had been kind of out saying, uh, you know, I think this is it for me and Spider-Man. And if Spider-Man ever comes back for me, it would be a totally different version of the character and that could still jive, but he was definitely making it a, like, as far as I know, it's done. So either this is a really recent development or, you know, Tom Holland was just trying to pull the wool over our eyes, which, you know, would not be crazy if he was just kind of trying to build some suspense. But three, I think it's really exciting. I mean, I I, yeah. I think that what's what's really fun about this from my perspective is we've never gotten to have a full complete satisfying Spider-Man saga in movies yet. Like we've like we've had in the comics and like we've had in other adaptations, like where, you know, we, we talked and we were going through the Raimi movies, which if you haven't heard that, you can find those on friends from work plus Um, how, you know, it's uh, the first two I, I think are still so great until it's such a great story. And then it just, it didn't stick the landing in a way that makes you feel like it was this complete saga. And so the idea that we can have these three high school movies with Peter and then move on and maybe grow with that character and, like, what you've always said, like, figure out what it means for him to, to be more of this adult presence within the MCU, I think, like, I don't know, that makes me really, really excited because I just think of all the things that they could draw on And all the kind of darker Spider-Man stories that I think they could do really, really well.
0: So for me, I'm very, very, very excited about Tom Holland being around. And I'm excited to see that they're not just going to drop Spider-Man as a character, obviously. So that's great news. However, it is really interesting, like what you were saying, that before Spider-Man, because there wasn't a ton of rights issues in the MCU... We never really had to worry about a off-screen contract really getting in the way of the story. Like, didn't you kind of, in the back of your mind, just always trust that if the story called for it, Marvel would work out the contract? You know what I'm saying? Like, I never worried, like, oh no, is Thor going to be around because Chris Hemsworth didn't sign on? Which is a props to Marvel, because they always would get that stuff figured out. But it is kind of strange to me that we're now so invested in finding out about the future movies and the contracts when really, I just want this to tell the best story. And if that meant that Spider-Man did die, then I think I would live with it. And if it meant that Spider-Man went to a different universe and it's not Tom Holland, I would live with it. I don't need the actors and the the producers telling me that there's going to be more coming right right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, again, I'm super pumped that there is, but I just don't need that news. So that's what kind of hit me.
1: Yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that it is that that's what I'm saying. It is so unique uh, within the MCU. But I do. I think there is something I think I would rather this news have come out a month after No Way Home. I like I don't love that. Like I was kind of going into it thinking like anything could happen and that could still be the case. This could still be another fake, you know, and maybe Tom Holland does die in No Way Home. Like, who knows? Uh, This hasn't been like this hasn't been verified by Marvel. So I guess that's all still kind of up in the air either way. But I, that aside, do kind of like the idea of another trilogy just because I I like for things to feel like they're planned out Mm. Um, instead of just kind of like, here's another one and we'll see how well it does and if it merits a fifth. And then we'll see how well the fifth one does and if it merits a sixth. Because I think having some kind of plan allows for better storytelling. A
0: million percent agree, and that gets me so excited. I'm just saying I don't need to know that. Like, I want you to know that as the filmmaker, (laughs) but I don't need to know that.
1: Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
0: Okay. We, two weeks ago, live reacted to the trailer as it came out. And I don't think we've followed up on that since then. I don't have any kind of crazy revelations other than there's some... Shady stuff going on here at this trailer. Like we've brought up before. Right. If you remember in Infinity War, there was a trailer where all the Avengers are running in a forest in Wakanda, kind of, and there's a shot of all of them, and Hulk is in there. And then we watched Infinity War, and not only is there not that shot, Hulk isn't even in the movie. So there's there's that kind of hijinks here going on in this, I think. Right. I don't know if you've seen some of these things, Robbie. Um there's like different versions now of these TV spots. One where Dr. Strange is standing on that weird train and in the background, it's a desert. And another time it's like a desert and a city. Right. So it's like, it's (laughs) literally edited differently. There's that whole Brazil trailer thing where in the trailer, we got lizard is leaping towards something like towards Spider-Man, but there's this Brazil leak where the scene goes on for like, five seconds longer and it shows him like get redirected. It looks like he's being punched Uh by nothing. So then people are speculating is that confirmation that Toby and Andrew Garfield are in it and they're edited out of that shot. And there's been a lot of that stuff, Rob. Um, I'm to the point where the trailer was there to get us excited about the movie and Holy crap, it's done that per people trying to buy tickets and how ridiculous that was Mm -hmm. and crashing the websites and all that. But I have no idea what we can even believe from it at this point. I- I'm serious. I, I
1: think one thing that's interesting that I saw someone point out online, whenever I first saw that in the trailer, I was like, oh man, someone editing that trailer made a mistake. And then, or, or that TV spot, I guess, especially uh, the Brazilian TV spot. And then I saw someone say, well, maybe that's just how these studios, it, it's like the next evolution of Easter eggs is they know, I mean, they're aware of these things and they're just doing it to get people talking even more like what you're saying. Like we, rather than that's a mistake, it's like an intentional thread for us to pick up and follow and all get hyped over um, leading up to the film. And
0: I don't know. Hmm. Do you think there will be the other Spider-Man in the movie? Two weeks before the movie, what do you think? I do. I do too. Do you think they'll be in the movie for more than 20 minutes or less than 20 minutes? I, I think right around 30 is kind of my gut. Okay, so more.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But not more than 30. Like, I don't see them. I see them coming in. The movie
0: doesn't center around them.
1: No, I don't think so. Um, But I do think it has to be enough for it to be worth it at this point. Like whenever we first started talking about all this, like way back, I thought it was maybe a
0: flashback or like quick, like shot or something.
1: But that was before we knew that they were bringing all these villains back and the the, the way they were posturing the whole thing. And now just given what they're given, the fact that they're kind of making this movie about sort of what it is to be Spider-Man and, Hitting on all these other themes that they've explored in those movies, I just feel like they one, it, it makes more sense to give us a little bit of time for those things to hit as hard as they should. And two, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I feel like it's it from the Sony perspective, it's just too great of an opportunity to pass up to be able to actually close those stories off effectively.
0: Oh. Oh, Sony's loving this right now. Are you kidding me? This is an all-time hype for them. They love all this stuff that we're even oh, having yeah. this conversation. Okay, to kind of close out our Spider-Man conversation, my last question to you is, do you anticipate this movie being better than the greatest MCU film Thor: Dark World? Yes or no?
1: I mean, I it's mean, a high bar. It's a trick question. Um, <laughs> and that,
0: <laughs> Nothing that's not be even better. possible. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, no, even if it's great, obviously not. Well, Rob, this just hit me. There's potential that this movie could also end with someone throwing metal poles at something, like Spider-Man banging them around. It's very (laughs) similar to Thor Dark World throwing (laughs) the metal poles at people. That's true. (laughs) So, unbelievable.
1: Wow. You know, I should say we had something going on the Slack earlier today and yesterday where folks were coming up with their – 10 essential movies of the Infinity Saga. And I cracked up seeing how many folks had Thor 2 in that list.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's become this funny thing where it's like, ha ha ha, we're joking. But then you're like, wait a second. It does introduce the Infinity Stones. Right. There's a few things about Loki you wouldn't understand otherwise. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's essential viewing. I'm not going to go that far, but (laughs) it is funny how important that movie becomes. It grows. The aura and the lore just grows around this movie with every waking day.
1: Um, No Way Home. Okay. That's what we're hoping for. Some more Thor 2 shout outs.
0: (laughs) Um, That was a quick what's new with Spider-Man, but holy cow, Hawkeye episode three is dominating my mind. So without further ado, let's get into Hawkeye after a quick word from Manscaped. The holidays came early here at Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched new products, including their all new ultra premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner that both Robbie and I are loving and cannot stop using. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin and hair this holiday season but that's just a tip of the iceberg for some of the great Manscaped products. We've told you about the Performance Package 4.0, but today we want to tell you a little more about their Hygiene Bundle, which comes with anti-chafing boxers, their new Ultra Premium Body Wash, and their 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp, and strengthening your hair at the same time. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped product. So get yourself, your dad, your husband, your brother, your friends, the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 and the Manscaped Hygiene Bundle. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FRIENDSFROMWORK at Manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code FRIENDSFROMWORK. Okay, so Robbie. We are back to a weekly show that we can break down with our audience, which is so much fun. We're back on the schedule of everybody seeing it on Wednesday and then us getting to talk about it right away on Thursday. So this is as fresh on our minds as possible, right? You literally just shut it off. Right. Here's what I want to say. This was my freaking scene. This was <laughs> Kyle Will's episode. I mean, this was just had my name written all over it. I don't know what it was. Not a moment of this episode felt wasted to me. I was glued in. This was the easiest 40 minutes I've had in a while watching a thing. I, I had no fears or reservations while watching it, and I, I didn't feel like anything was wasted, and I didn't want it to end. But I just want to start here. Before we get into your reaction to that, let's just clarify a few things right off the bat, okay? Mm-hmm. One, that is totally Kingpin, right? Come on. That is Kingpin. I mean I want I want you to hear something. I recorded his laugh. Tell me this isn't him, okay? (laughs) Okay, come on. Let me play it again. Let me play it again. Listen to this. (laughs) That's him, right? That's Kingpin.
1: It's so okay. I, I, I wanna say I have not read anything about this episode. I haven't been on the Slack. I haven't seen any speculation at all. That is totally his hand though. Uncle behind all of it. Which is crazy because you haven't even seen Daredevil. So how did you recognize it so quickly?
0: Just because you can totally hear Vincent D'Onofrio's voice. I mean, I feel like that's it. Let me play it one more time. Right here, listen to this. (laughs) That is it, dude. We're in the, we're in the end times yeah. <laughs> at this point.
1: Which is funny because wasn't it like last week you were like, let's not go down the Kingpin speculation road.
0: <laughs> I was like, everybody, let's just let it be. And then here I am a week <laughs> later like, listen to this. No, no, no. Uh, I think this is different because I think they're showing us now. This is not Mephisto, okay?
1: There, There's a lot pointing in that direction. As soon as they announced Echo in this show, that was a big thing pointing in that direction because that character has kind of become associated with Kingpin. And- then the more it's getting like, oh, there's a mysterious boss that's at the top of this stuff and the fact that they intentionally didn't show who it was and they're building him up. And then, yeah, the laugh like I it
0: if it's not him, it's an epic troll job at this point. It's epic. It is an and epic troll job. And they must have told the actor then. <laughs> to help play in the troll. Because as we said before, he's teasing us with all these pictures on yeah, Instagram. Yeah, I saw,
1: he, he, I didn't see it. What what did he post today? I, I read something that he had posted something.
0: He just like posted a picture in front of a Christmas tree outside in like a town. And it looked like it totally could have been related to this show. I think that's all it was supposed to be. I didn't dive into it like crazy, but man, it does feel like he's dancing around the topic, you know? Okay, point number two, we got to start with. Kate's father is going to not be dead. Do you agree? Yeah. Do you think like I'm kind of under that principle of if there's no body, then he's not dead. Shout out Greg on our Slack. And I don't know. Do you think that's going to come back? I just feel like they got too large of an actor. And like in episode two, when they're doing the here's what you missed flashing back, it references him again, Mm -hmm. which I get that that's an important moment for Kate. But I just wonder if there's something more going on there.
1: Yeah, I think so, but I, I think I'm, I'm wondering what it could be without this turning into something totally soap opera-y and different than, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I but I do I I I agree with you in that there was something very like we were left hanging, and I feel like either he didn't die or there's something we don't know about how he died.
0: You know, after I just said all of that, I came in here so excited thinking that he's not dead, but you're so right. I never thought from that angle, which is like, okay, that would be a dramatic twist because Kate still really looks up to her dad and how he protected. And if he is alive, then he stayed out of her life for like 10 years without right. ever making contact. And that gets darker then pretty quick for Kate. Unless he's been like in prison somewhere or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, which is then but also then dark again, because he can't do anything for right. 10 years. Yeah. If, if, let me say this. If he's imprisoned, that would make Kate's mother an epically dark figure, not just someone kind of right. like stepping in the wrong area. This is like, okay, you are evil. Okay, third thing, Jack is going to end up not being bad. Do you agree with that or not? I'm thinking that Jack, it's it's so obvious with the way this episode ended and some of the weirdness from the first two episodes I wonder, hear me out, that Jack is actually like an undercover agent trying to stop Kate's mom, and this is how he's doing it. Hmm. Just because it seems too obvious that he's the bad guy. I could be crazy. Yeah. No, I like that.
1: I wonder if it's even someone that Clint knows.
0: Oh, like we're going to come back to episode four, and Clint's like, oh, Jack, what are you doing here? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean,
1: which I – I would be, yeah, I, I, okay, I like these. I like all these ideas you have. I, on the Jack thing, I was going to say, I'm just happy where we ended this, this last episode, because for me, my approach to these kinds of ongoing mysteries is, is always, like, once you've made it clear that you're doing something, like, resolve one thing so it can open to another. Like, I think WandaVision did such a good job with that kind of early on like the the questions we thought we were going to be asking the entire time it's sort of answered by episode four and then raised some new ones and so rather than us like sitting in this whole thing where we're like okay well inevitably J- there's some secret about jack that's going to come out i like that they've just been very open about it and they're just like yeah there's the stuff with jack's weird let's figure it out and then this ends with us knowing That One way or another, we're going to figure something out about Jack at the start of episode four. And I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, true. Okay, now let me go back to the beginning and tell you all the reasons why I was so giddy about this episode. Okay, so that was my big picture. Got to get that out of the way. Now let's roll it back. Let me just tell you some of the details and some of the review things here. First of all... (laughs) Our manager, Pete, has texted us so many times about how harsh we are on the child actors always. Um, I'm laughing because it's an inside (laughs) joke. So, Pete, this is for you. I thought the child actress that's playing Echo as a kid was great. And I loved her intro scene. I loved the balance with the effects of the deafness thing and what that's like for someone who's deaf. And then I thought her scene with her dad was genuinely moving. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed this child actress. Totally agree. So there you and go. And that's my thing. Yeah. That's my thing.
1: It's yep. not that we're always against child actors. It's that we've seen it done really, really well. And we're always willing <laughs> to call those folks out. Whether we're talking about Morgan Stark or Cassie Lang. Cassie Lang. And I just rewatched so her yeah, man. Let's go.
0: go, Cassie world's greatest. Maya
1: Lopez is, she's knocking out of the park. I love it. I also, to your point, really, really liked the actor that played her dad in this. I thought that, that, that whole scene, both of those scenes, like the scene where they're having the conversation in the bedroom and then the scene where she finds him after Hawkeye has stabbed him.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Hold on. The bedroom, the bedroom scene, Robbie, first of all, I thought was fantastic. And I immediately felt connected to both of them. It really worked. And then did you get some Shang-Chi vibes there? Like a reference to dragons was interesting the to The dragons, me. yes. Yeah. Yes. And then his explanation being- Because he's like, being, they're alive, just, but, just, but oh maybe in another world. Right. I don't think it's meant to be directly tied. Don't Don't hear me saying that. But I just, I thought that was interesting to get an MCU reference- About dragons, kind of the same way I was feeling about Shang-Chi. Like, are we in the same universe or not? And here we are having this story being told to this girl, kind of saying the same thing. So whether that's related or not, I still freaking love it. Then yeah, I thought that was nice. Then, oh my gosh, dude, the scene with Ronan, it was the right amount of brutality. That's what I want. Like, did you notice the blood on the window? Um, Mm -hmm. the guys all getting stabbed. I mean, holy cow, you were wanting context for Ronan and how Clint is dealing with that guilt. I mean, we're getting more and more of that. This was an awesome scene, not to mention it was cool. The music's unbelievable. It's thrilling. Mm -hmm. And then when her father dies and what he signs to her, I was so emotional. And I've only known this character for like four minutes. It was very similar to me to like the intro of up where it's like you get the Mm. whole five minute thing without Mm -hmm. a single word being said. And yet how are you that emotionally connected? It was working on that level for me. Maybe not to that extent, but I was really, really, really loving that whole intro with her.
1: No, I agree. I, that is exactly what I was hoping we would get from the Ronan component of the show. But even better because of the emotional hook with the connection with Echo, which I did not really anticipate, although maybe I should have. It, like, it reminds me of what I thought Falcon Winter Soldier did really well with kind of giving us some Winter Soldier flashbacks. Except here, I think it's a lot more important because I think Winter Soldier and Civil War really gave us a lot of, okay, this is what it was like when Bucky was the Winter Soldier. And so I don't think we necessarily needed that in Falcon Winter Soldier, but I just liked getting it. Here, I kind of felt like we needed it some, because the only Ronan stuff that we saw, yes, it was like, well, he's taking out these, like, clearly kind of bad guys, and yes, he feels really guilty about that, but mm-hmm. also, like, we've seen the Avengers take out people, like, think about that opening shot of Age of Ultron, like, They're definitely killing some of those people when they're going into the hydro compound. It's not like that's never happened before. Mm -hmm. But now whenever you see it actually have like a, like you see one, the brutality of it. And two, you see the other side of it though, too. Yeah. You see the other side of it. But the fact that he is killing these people almost like indiscriminately.
0: Right. See, that's the thing. We always just associate, hey, he's killing bad guys. But to see the other perspective of it, that they have families that they care about. And he's killing Mm -hmm. them without giving them trial, right? It's kind of the anti-Spider-Man here where it's like he's just killing them because they're bad. And you're kind of like, but how bad were they? To see the other side of that was incredible to me. And this is why I'm so passionate about this episode. Like when I say not a moment was wasted, I feel like every single scene was doing multiple things. Mm -hmm. We're getting this incredible emotional tie to this new character Echo and her family in a really short amount of time. I mean, like, it didn't, it's not like they lingered on that forever. You only got, like, five minutes of it. But while it's doing that, you're also getting background about Ronan. And that just kind of kept continuing. Like, while you were getting action later on, you were still getting awesome character work done. Or you're getting character work done while the plot is still going forward. I just never felt like we were off track, ever. Even to the degree that I complained a smidge about the LARPing thing last week where I'm like, is this a little side mission-y? I felt none of that here. So that's what Mm -hmm. was getting me so pumped. Continuing on, I do love the emphasis on this hard of hearing slash deafness thing. I think they're doing it really well. It's really cool to sometimes, and actually quite frequently in this episode, go back to the sound effect where they – muffle everything so you can't understand what they're saying and just gives you that perspective from the deaf person's perspective i just think it gives it a whole different layer and Mm -hmm. you resonate with echo and hawkeye more and that's so cool to me now that because they'd introduced the hard of hearing thing for clint that created an interesting dynamic to me that now he can kind of relate with her at least she thought he could relate with him i don't know i was loving all of that
1: right well, and even and even her, like, she crushed his hearing aid, I think, in part because they were in a fight, and she knew that it would, you know, sort of debilitate him on some level, but also as sort of part of the conversation they were having where she was like, no, you should just embrace it. Right. And I think that's a really, because that is a really interesting conversation that goes on within the deaf community in terms of how much should you lean into technology like this. And so I, I thought, like, the fact that they were able to so seamlessly integrate that into this episode again, like what you're saying, they were just doing so many things at once. And I think they were doing all, all of them really well.
0: Um, in that scene where she's interrogating Clint, one of the coolest choices, the directors and producers made to me was you're getting Clint kind of trying to talk to her, but there's a lot of stuff that's lost in translation. Then when they start translating, which by the way, that side character guy, uh, Kaz or whatever Kaz, Kaz, I think it is doing an awesome uh, job Kazi. too. It's another one. Yeah. Kazi. It's another one of those things where it's like the side character guys are still fantastic. Um, I loved his dynamic. Can't wait to mm-hmm. explore more of that. But anyways, when he's translating for her, that whole thing with Black Widow was incredible because you're hearing all of the dialogue. But then right when it gets to the reveal, he says, I know Ronan's dead. She says, how do you know that? He says, I was there. But then it goes to that muffled thing. You don't get to hear him say it, but you just see the guy translate Black Widow, which I thought was so dope. And what's amazing Mm -hmm. is if you go back and listen to the exact dialogue, I'm misquoting it right now. He doesn't technically say she killed him. He says like she got him. And I thought that was a really interesting, like however it's phrased, it's really cleverly phrased because Clint is not technically lying. Like, it right. sounds like he's talking in a dual personality where it's like, Ronan is gone. I think that's what he says. I just loved mm-hmm. it. Because Black Widow was kind of the one to get him out of it, to get rid of Ronan. Oh, no, for sure. Oh, so good.
1: No, I I I thought the same thing. And I also just liked another shout out to Natasha here because I do think that that is another, like, that's another part of Clint's Story that I want to see emphasized is like for the longest time we saw how close they were, and I think Endgame did a good job with that. But with what we know about Clint, if we're going to have a show that takes place after the events of Endgame, it needs to have a decent amount of focus on the impact of losing Natasha and losing Natasha in the exact way that he did. So I'm really I'm glad even that we're just getting little bits to kind of reflect on that and 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 just clued in to the fact that he's still running that back in his head.
0: Yeah. Then right after that interrogation scene, this to me was so much fun. The action in the breakout scene, this is the Mm -hmm. level of violence that I'm wanting. You know, how I always bring that up, but to see Clint shooting guys with arrows, actually, how about the double arrows into the hands or like the arrow that pins the guy through his hand Like, that's what I want to see. I don't need it to be a gore fest. I just want to feel that, like, these are real arrows and have real consequences, you know? And I thought the action was thrilling right into the car chase scene with the camera work, Robbie. Like, I know we talked Mm -hmm. about that in the the little glimpse we had gotten, but how fun was that? To kind of have somewhat of a one-shot in that car chase? I I just thought it was fantastic.
1: No, absolutely. I I thought, like, that whole, really from the moment it started up until the end of that bridge scene, I feel like I was just like leaned in so hard and didn't like, didn't even like sit back and take a breath. Um, not because it was intense, but just because it was so fun. Like the, I was so immersed in all of it. Like it was emotional at the beginning and then the breakout scene. Like the way that even that's done, like the him falling into the ball pit yeah. was really fun. Yep. Like, how and, about Kate sliding yeah, like, her on I, the
0: pole with the sub drop? That was dope. Yeah, I mean it was dope.
1: There are also just little character moments that were great. Like he yes. talks about her overconfidence, and I yes. like how that kind of goes back to what her mom said in episode one, where she's like, "Rich people and young people feel like they they're can't invincible. get hurt. Yeah, yeah, they're invincible, and you're both." and i kind of like i think that's it's interesting that they're they're kind of claiming that as a part of her character like normally we're used to characters that are kind of underdogs you know with the exception of of like tony stark but she is yeah. coming from well I, she is kind of coming from more of like a tony stark background mm-hmm. in some ways you mm-hmm. know like she's semi orphaned um rich. and rich and Really talented, and you know, I mean, she's been like had like a black belt when she was 13 or whatever. Like, she's kind of been at the top of all of these different areas in her in her life, and so I think it's just it's kind of nice to see a different. Like on paper, you wouldn't necessarily think like, what's the most interesting character? How about like a like a rich white girl uh, that lives in a penthouse <laughs> that shoots bows mm-hmm. and arrows. But then I think that the way they they do it and make that like her own, like the, her own background and influences that she's going to kind of have to wrestle with in her own way, I think it's just kind of an interesting new wrinkle.
0: You know what that scene made me think of a little bit? It kind of reminded me of his conversation with Wanda in Ultron where he's like, look – you can stay right here. None of this makes sense. But if you come out, you're an Avenger. I kind of liked here though that him and Kate are giving each other a hard time and he's rolling his eyes at her. But then when she actually gets mm-hmm. choked, he's like, This is not the time to be scared. I'm gonna go back to my family. And it it kind of felt like Wanda a little bit there to me. Where like where he rallied the troops there. Although,
1: do you think that the the way that he's just generally been more exasperated with Kate is sort of a sign of of what the character's been through since age of ultron
0: a million percent and i want i want to get into that so bad let me okay well, hold on let me say one more thing again with scenes doing multiple things mm-hmm. not only are you getting the action in those scenes you still are getting some of my favorite kate and clint stuff so like not only are you doing the action of the trick arrows and the car chase and the cool camera work, but you're also getting funny moments with the loss of hearing thing, and Mm -hmm. they're they're not communicating, but you're also getting some heartwarming moments where she does say, we're communicating to each other, and she feels like they're growing a little bit, so I'm just loving, again, no wasted time. To your point, though, that's maybe one of my favorite things about this show thus far, and I wrote that down. I think what makes Hawkeye so unique to me is that he truly wants to retire. He wants to go home to his family. He just can't help himself when there's something going wrong. He does feel this calling, kind of like Spider-Man, you know, to still jump in and help. Mm -hmm. And he can't ignore that. But it's just so different than other superheroes where it's kind of a, oh, shoot, I have to do this again. But they're kind of excited to do it. Like Tony Stark's kind of excited to get into his armor and kill people and – and. This is more like so reluctant, and I think the the way they're pacing his slow turnaround and how he perceives Kate through that lens is perfect to me. This is the pacing I want, where the first couple episodes, he's totally not buying into Kate at all. But here, he's still pretty crusty to her, but there's a couple really, really heartfelt moments that are starting to turn, Mm -hmm. right? He does admit on the train that she's actually a world-class archer. Right. Then they have that moment on the phone conversation. And even the moment the restaurant where he starts opening up, it's not a full turn, right? It's not, okay, I'm back in. I am an inspiration. I am a Hawkeye. I love you. It's not that. It's just, it's so well-paced in how his character is slowly softening towards her. Right. To me. Well, and and what
1: I love... What I love is that because of that pacing, you see still the contrast of how he is with Kate with how he is when like Nate calls him. And you see like in that moment, it's like he goes from being like kind of gruff and annoyed to like he lights up whenever his kid calls him. And it's like you realize- Tell me
0: you weren't genuinely moved by that scene. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? And
1: and her writing down the, I mean, that was an incredible scene. The way that they- What a way to do that. Yeah, the way they use. what a
0: way to deliver that. Him
1: losing his hearing aid there. Like they got so much great, great stuff out of that. Great interactions out of that, particularly with him and Kate. Because that was a scene talking about multiple levels that gave you a look into kind of how he feels- in general, about the different sides of his life, about how much, to your point, he desperately just kind of wants to go back and be with his wife and kids and not be a part of this craziness anymore. But then also the fact that she so quickly kind of realizes her role in that and is willing to help and step in. And yeah, it's just, man, I thought that was maybe my favorite scene of the episode.
0: Yeah, and, and Kate getting to see that side. A right, little exactly bit yes
1: yes exactly because then I'm, I feel like it's it's also her getting to get a better sense of where he is and I I, I also thought Ugh. I mean she's definitely I got choked she's up. getting close to the truth about Ronan at this point and I have to imagine she's not that yes. far from figuring out that it's just him but even the fact that she's kind of getting close I like it's just the dynamic is shifting in interesting ways for me.
0: Yes. Oh, I freaking loved it. Speaking of Clint and Kate's relationship, though, too, Robbie, I thought that this moment on the train here was really, really fun. Oh, we gotta walk the dog. You're not wrong. He's been cooped up all day. I'm quite sure how long a dog can... Call
1: yourself one of the world's greatest archers. Oh, my God, you really think so? I won't
0: lie. I, I wasn't sure how he'd do it. I that. just walked sure the dog. What do you think? They cooped up all day. Just, again, just the beginning of them starting to see each other a little more as equals mm-hmm. is so fun for me, where Kate is so flattered that he's thinking the same thing she's thinking, and the whole dog thing was funny. I'm loving it. I'm loving it so much. Um, okay. How about the Pym Arrow? Robbie, please tell me that blew your mind. I love,
1: I mean, that's a straight Civil War callback, right?
0: I just love that it's not only an Easter egg of like Ant-Man's technology from Hank Pym, but the way it was used and visualized was so cool to me that he would even have these arrows at this point. And it just makes more sense to me because he's had time to evolve these things right? Like over these years, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I loved it. I'm sure our audience loved it. No, that,
1: that was so, that was so fun.
0: Like that was not something I ever expected. Maybe that's from the comics. I don't know, but that, I did not see that coming.
1: No, 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 no. I didn't expect that at all. I mean, and the reason I'm saying the civil war callback is because it just made me think of, of whenever cat throws the truck and Scott throws the disc at it.
0: Right. Um, he got to see that happen. So yeah.
1: Right. Right. But I, I thought the whole Trick Arrow thing was really fun for a different reason, and and that's something that I've kind of, I wanted to talk about, especially after this episode. This show, I think, more than any other, I think any other single Marvel Studios project ever, is pulling, like, scene for scene from that comic. And... I feel like you might not realize this cause this is the only comic that you've read. And so there's so much that comes from that, but that's not normally the case. Like, and I've seen some debate about that online about, you know, where some people have thought that it was maybe too much and Marvel studios is better off to stray further from that. I don't fall into that camp because I think they're still changing it up a lot. Like Maya Lopez is not in that comic. The stuff with Kate's parents is not in the comic to quite the same degree. Um, And so I I think I don't worry about that concern, but I just think it's really fun to see like that trick arrow scene is straight from the comics. Uh, Some of these characters that were pulled from there, like Kazi is pulled from the comics grills. We didn't talk about this last time, um, but I think part of the reason why we had that scene that maybe felt a little bit like side missiony to you was so that we could get to know grills because grills winds up being a pretty important side character in that, Matt Fraction, David Aya, Hawkeye series. So it's just like they're really, really trying to homage that particular run. And as people have pointed out, you know Matt Fraction is is credited as a consulting producer on this series, and you didn't have that with like Ed Brubaker on the Falcon Winter Soldier series. Um, and so I, I think it it is it's just a really interesting like totally new step here in in Marvel Studios, and I think I'm here for it.
0: No doubt. It's so fun. Before we talk about the last penthouse scene, I have one other Easter egg I caught that I thought was really fascinating to think about. When he brings up to Kate in the cab that he was worried how much other Avengers compound stuff could be out there, that's kind of a fun thought because we had talked about that a little bit with what did they all recover, right? And what does that even look like? And then here for him to be like, man, if they're getting the suit, what else are they looking for? And so I wonder if it's going to come back to the watch thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think one, I can't believe that other people would have ever had access to that stuff. So it makes me curious to see like what the cleanup process looked like. But then again, I guess it's one of the interesting things about the snap is like, Damage control and all these things that had formed around the Avengers prior to Infinity War would probably all have kind of gone to the wayside whenever Tony's just out in a cabin and, and no one's really avenging. So I don't know who would have right. done that cleanup at that point, but it is crazy that stuff is just kind of out floating in the, in the underworld. But that is one of the things I asked in the first episode, so I'm kind of glad that Clint voiced that. So, yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about the the Jack moment there in the penthouse scene, which I think was definitely the standout. Um, I also, though, liked seeing the side of Kate where she's like, one, I think it's kind of the, the security company and the fact that that gives her a database I like because um, it sort of helps explain – how she's able to get from point A to point B at different points in the show. And we haven't really talked about that yet. And explain
0: a little bit of her tech knowledge too, which is interesting. Yes,
1: exactly. Like I think it just – I like that side of her um, and that kind of being another thing in her arsenal. And I also – I just cracked up at the – like him just walking around being like, wow, I got into the wrong business moment (laughs) um, I liked. I just, I like these, I like these personality moments with Clint. Like, I think what I realized of this episode is I, I feel like I'm getting a lot of the stuff with Clint that I've always wanted while I'm also falling in love with this whole new character to where I'm not saying I want this to happen, but I think if this show ends with Clint finally somehow being done forever out of the picture I feel like I'll kind of be at peace with that because I feel like I've, I've gotten the side of yes. him that I've been wanting because I'm also so excited to go further down the road with Kate and I'm so excited about the way that they're doing that handoff. Like the fact that there's some kind of, there's DNA there that's shared in the same way that there was between Cap and Sam and I think that's really important and I, I really am coming to appreciate the, the way that they're structuring that.
0: 10 million percent, this show is doing a good enough job of making Clint unique and really diving into what makes Clint Clint, and they're doing a good job of making that feel separate from other characters and other Avengers. It's to the point where I don't think I necessarily need more Clint after this. I'm not speculating that he's done or anything, but like you said, if he was done, I wouldn't be like, oh gosh, they didn't tell this thing or... Like, I love that they're kind of hinting. this. It feels like Skyfall, right? Where he's the old guy trying right. to kind of wrap it up, you know? And I'm loving that. I'm loving it. We're getting all the missing pieces that we didn't have before. Then, obviously, in the penthouse, Clint wanders away. He thinks he hears something. And Jack pulls out the sword, the Ronin sword, I think, right? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, did, I actually I think. didn't think about that, but I bet you're right.
0: I think it is. I'll have to watch that again. It just leaves me thinking about the power hierarchy here. And I'm really interested to see where this goes. Again, is Jack actually bad? I thought it was interesting earlier in the episode that Kazi is the one that's arguing with Echo, trying to talk her down. Like, whenever someone gets super aggressive, he's the one that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. It it makes it seem like, do they fully understand what they're getting into? Yes or no. And it makes me think that there's a more evil kind of person above that. Like, I want to know what the levels are to this. Is it tracksuit mafia, including Kazi, then Echo, then above Echo is Kate's mom and above Kate's mom is Kingpin. And actually Jack's trying to stop that. I don't know that I just, that's what I'm intrigued by.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect transition as we're wrapping this, because my questions are all kind of Kingpin related, not just, well, a, a little bit of speculation that I'll get to in just a second. But also, like, if if Kingpin is uncle and is in charge of the tracksuit mafia, I'm curious to see what that, what that looks like tonally. Because I, we brought this up a little bit in the last episode in terms of how seriously we're supposed to take these guys. And just for folks that don't know... In the comics, the tracksuit mafia is – they're headed up by this kind of old – like they're they're all supposed to be sort of ridiculous. They're not like non-threats necessarily. Like there are moments where they kind of get the best of Clint. But they're also kind of bumbling and they're headed up by this old sort of goofy tracksuit Russian guy who reports to the same – he's part of the same kind of collection of mob bosses – in New York that Kingpin is a part of. And I think that that's Mm. kind of... I I say that because that's a way that the comic maintains the, like, this is sort of this weird, goofy gang. They are a gang. They do gang things, and they do, like, consequential things, but they're not, like, Kingpin-level gang. They're just sort of, like, Mm. in that mix. And I think what's interesting is they're kind of setting it up, it seems to me, as though, like the tracksuit mafia, like they're bad news, but also like they're kind of ridiculous and I just can't figure out how I'm supposed to feel about them.
0: Hmm.
1: If the Kingpin thing is thrown in, I'm not saying that this is like a fault yet. Cause I want to see how it all plays out, but that's one of my, one of my questions. And maybe that's see, more for me coming with the comics background.
0: Yeah. See, for me, I was the one that brought up was the tracksuit mafia a little too goofy in the first two episodes. But by this episode, I was kind of totally bought in. I think because now I'm seeing there are different levels to this. So I'm fine with the lowest level gang member guys just kind of being goofballs that don't really realize what they're doing or or they don't know anything else. So it's kind of just funny and they're dumb. As long as there's now levels above that where you should be legitimately afraid of what Kingpin can do, and that's what they're hinting at, I don't mind the vibe anymore. I kind of like it. So. Okay.
1: Whenever Candace and I go through the comic on Friends from Work Plus, um, I'll verify this, but I'm pretty sure there, Hawkeye just gives them the nickname Tracksuit Mafia. And I'm also curious if that's what's happened here, where he and Laura talk about them that way, because he's like, oh, Tracksuit Mafia over here, got to go deal with him. Or whether they are like the self-proclaimed tracksuit mafia, because that would also cha- change my like. I feel like if they're like a legitimate criminal organization, you would not dub yourself that way. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. I the other thing I wanted to note is in the comic. On the flip side, Kazi is a much darker character than we've gotten so far in the show. Oh, and um, here he
0: almost seems like. Echoes conscience. He's almost the other way.
1: Right. In the comic, it's funny because there's a point where everything has seemed fairly light. And then all of a sudden this character shows up who's really dark and just starts killing people close to Hawkeye. And it gets really intense. And that's Kazi. And so it's, and he like paints his whole face white and it's just a, it's like a really kind of intense street level villain and I know that that's, you know, obviously the name, but also I saw the actor that plays Kazi posted on Twitter whenever he got casted, like a side-by-side of himself with that, with the illustration of that character in like full white makeup in the comic. So I'm curious if they're going to take it in that direction, if he's going to go darker for some, for some reason, and how he will wind up being associated with Echo moving forward, if their paths are going to kind of diverge. If both of those characters stick around, like a- after this show, so those are my those are my other comics related mm-hmm. questions, and then my final, mm-hmm. not comics related questions are just about Kingpin coming in, and, and and specifically Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin coming in, because I would hope that if Kingpin comes in and it is Vincent D'Onofrio, that it is the same character from the Daredevil series. And I know that's controversial because I normally don't want to import stuff from out of the MCU into the MCU because I respect the quality control. But I think that series was generally pretty great. And I think his portrayal of that character and the way they developed it was really, like the pacing was really well done. His origin was really well done. That I would kind of hate to have to scrap all that And so I would hope that they would either do something where they just assume that you kind of know that, even though it's like a variant of him. Um,
0: Careful. Hold on. Careful what you're saying. Because first of all, you might have to mentally prepare yourself that that's the case. You might have to start over with this character. It might be the same actor, but you might have to learn a new background. And secondly, that feels a lot like you're setting yourself up to fail because if it is different, then you're going to hate it because of that. And thirdly, be very, very careful because if it is the exact same character, then your mind has to also start saying the other stuff from that show is also canon. Then, or like you can't just pick and choose things to say. Well, the viewer should know this about this person. I think they have to start fresh, or they have to say all of Daredevil is is required viewing. Well, I don't not, know.
1: Yeah, I mean, not required viewing necessarily, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I just I think that that I mean that show was. Well done. It was multiple I'm, times Emmy I'm nominated, bad. you know? And, and so I think it's just like, it's hard for me to think like when- it, I'm not saying it's bad. It
0: just hasn't been in the MCU thus far. But it did start out in the MCU.
1: Like they, in the show, they reference like Thor and the, the Battle of okay. New York, then if, then,
0: Okay. Then if it is the same character, I'm fine with that then. But then I just have to assume that other things from Daredevil could also be brought in. That's all I'm saying. Right. And I, if I had to,
1: if I had to bet, by the way, I would go with you. and that I'm guessing
0: they're going to be starting fresh. I'm not saying they can't bring it in from Daredevil. I'm not against that. I'm just saying if right. you psych yourself out ahead no, of no, time, I mean, that it has look, to be
1: that. I think the reason I'm okay with it there is because I, it's so different from like when we were talking about bringing in X Men, where like that is a whole crazy convoluted film universe. Whereas okay, sure. this is a fairly self-contained it show. It's pretty
0: self-contained, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, now, you know, it opens up the questions of, do you then have to bring in Luke Cage and all that stuff? And I get that. I think that there's a, there's a way to close it off from that. Um, but, and also, by the way, I wouldn't mind bringing in Mike Colter's Luke Cage because I thought it was pretty great. But my my point is, I think I would just be, I do like specifically the story that they had with Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk there. I would like to see at least some version of that to where maybe it's like a homecoming thing, right? Where they're like, well, you know, if you know, you know, we're not going to feel like we have to go and walk back through this. But just know that it's essentially the same thing that you've seen before. And so that way you kind of get the best of both worlds. Part of the reason that I thought about this, though, is because I feel like they were very particular with the year that they chose. And, you know, like the, the setting and the age that they had Maya at there when she's in the school. And I just noticed that's 2007. And, you know, that's well before any, like the events of Daredevil take place, I think, right around like 2013, 2014 Marvel Universe time. Um, and so they're... There's a lot of room there for them to have had that relationship in a way that wouldn't have impacted any of the stuff that we've seen with Bolson Fisk so far. And so I, I it just makes me curious to see if if they're going to try to like weave this stuff in in any way or if it's like a totally new thing. and,
0: You know, I guess it just gets me so excited because of Wilson Fisk. I think Spider-Man PS4, let's go. Wilson (laughs) Fisk. I just love that idea. Which is so
1: funny because those characters could not be more different.
0: I know, but I also want Norman Osborn for that reason. So sue me. (laughs) Um, I am not super into ranking things as we go along, as you know, but I'll just say this. I thought that this episode exceeded my expectations. So wherever I thought Hawkeye was going to live, which it already in my mind was going to live pretty high up, I feel like this actually raised the bar. So I'm not going to say where that is yet, but I I just left feeling like this was a step forward for me. I can't wait to see where this goes. So many things, right? I mean, the 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 sword at the end felt a little wandavision division like with the cliffhangerness a little bit now, right? Uh, just just we a little bit got there. So I'm, I'm really liking it. Okay, but friends, scheduling-wise, here's what we have going on. Today, obviously, we chatted Hawkeye Episode 3. Next week, Thursday, I want you to get your Spider-Man questions ready for us because we're going to do another little section of voicemail messages from you guys I'll tweet out the phone number you can call with a question about something Spider-Man No Way Home related, and we can work that into the beginning of next week, Thursday's episode. Obviously, we'll also be covering Hawkeye episode four. The following Monday, not Thursday, we're gonna have a special episode for you all talking about Spider-Man in general. Robbie and I have gone through the Sam Raimi stuff. We've gone through the Mark Webb stuff over on Friends From Work Plus. We've gone through the video games again. We've gone through the comics again. And we're going to have one omnibus episode of what is Spider-Man before No Way Home. Yes. And so I can't wait to talk about that as well. Then that Thursday is when the movie actually releases. Man. So that week will be absolutely insane for us because you and I – are getting to see it early it looks like it looks like we're getting to see a little early but then the day after we see it we'll have Hawkeye episode five which if the other shows have tossed anything we love the pre-finale episodes you know and so I think it will be a double episode for you guys on Thursday December 16 with Hawkeye and a Spider-Man initial reactions thing so Holy cow. If there ever was a time to catch up on Hawkeye or anything Spider-Man related, it's right now. I mean, it's a great time to be alive. So if friends from work plus seems like it's your thing, go check that out. Patreon.com slash friends from work and see if you want to subscribe to that. We would love it. It helps us. And I feel like it's been some really fun content over on that side of things, but also thank you for listening so much. Please rate review, subscribe to this podcast Check out our website, theffwpodcast.com, and follow us on social media at theffwpodcast. And guys, we'd love to know your thoughts. What did you think about Hawkeye Episode 3? Did you love it as much as we did? Let us know, and we will chat with you guys all this week and especially next week, Thursday, talking Hawkeye Episode 4 and answering your voicemail message questions on Friends from Work.